our sin, as we realize that we've always been like this, and if we look at our lives, we have a huge testimony of all sorts of mistakes. As this reality of who we are sets in, that should break our hearts. It speaks about being sorrowful about who we are. But most of us let our brokenness lead to a pity party, instead of letting our brokenness lead to praise because of God's salvation. Going down a road full of missteps and wrong turns can be frustrating. When you feel like you can't do anything right, your attitude can quickly slide into a big pity party. But there is a way to act differently, to go against what our flesh finds natural. Pastor Daniel will explain what happens when we turn to the Lord, and it's more than just a heart change in our own lives. Our character, our choices, they radiate outward into the world. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, Living on a Prayer. Yeah. Don't try and clean yourself up and come to him. Come to him and let him clean you up. I know there's some people in this room today watching online. Someone gave you the DVD, whatever. We do not want you to leave here trying to clean yourself up. Every religion in the world is about that. Clean yourself up. Clean yourself up. Do this. Do that. The Bible says, no, listen, you can't do it. God's going to do it for you. And you know why that is? Because Jesus has got the skills that can pay those bills. That's why. That's an 80s term, isn't it? Only Jesus has got the cleansing skills given the depth of our soiledness. Only he does. He's the only one. And it's futile. And that's why religion is so popular. Because everyone realizes that they're soiled and everybody wants to be cleaned up. So everyone has his own little cockamamie way to do it. And Jesus says, listen, there's only one way to do it. There's only one way. And that is by putting your faith and trust in me. Not me plus X, me plus Y, me plus this book or that book. No, just the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary's cross and his resurrection from the dead. That is where it happens. That's where the action is at. And we do good works not to get saved, but because we're saved. And we do all these things like serve the Lord and be part of community and come to church. We do all those things because we are saved, not to get saved. And that's why it's amazing. You get to get these churches that say, if you don't come here, you're not really a Christian. Excuse me? Really? I mean, that's the way it rolls? That if you're part of our little crew, then you're in. If you're not, you're out. Listen, if you're with Jesus, you are in, brother, sister. You're in. It's not me and a membership to a certain church country club. It's not, it doesn't roll that way. It's you got to be with Jesus. He's done that work. But we need, to, we need to let this reality of who we are, we need to let it cleanse us, drive us to that place where we get clean. And that cleansing comes from Jesus. But not only that, look at verse 10. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. and Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. I like this because these verses teach us that we need to let inward renewal lead outward. We need to let inward renewal lead us outward. All, verses 10, 11, and 12 all speak of God doing an inward work. It's as if David is calling on the creator to create in him again. Notice what it says. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He's saying, God, you created me. I need you to do a work of recreation in my life. I have been stained. Created me a clean heart. My spirit has not been hardy, not steadfast. So renew that in me. And brothers and sisters, this is where we get this idea of being born again that Jesus spoke about. He's saying, listen, the God who created you wants to create you once again. You were born and you need to be born again because you were born once physically. And Jesus is saying, look, I want to do a new work in you. That is why this is there. So you may be in here today. You've been created by God. God wants to do a work of recreation in you. He wants to take all the garbage you've been involved in and he wants to clean you out and me out. He wants to take all the ways that we've fallen short and he wants to renew in us a steadfast spirit. God wants to recreate all of us. In verse 11, David is concerned. Look at what he says. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Being cast away from God's presence speaks of us of Cain in Genesis chapter 4. Remember, Cain killed his brother Abel, and God cast him out. He's saying, look, I killed Uriah. Don't cast me from your presence, God. I don't want to end up like Cain, fleeing. And not only that, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. This makes us think of 1 Samuel 16. David's predecessor as the king of Israel was a man named Saul. And when Saul transgressed against God, God took his Holy Spirit from him. Now, the question always becomes then, well, what does that mean for us today? I mean, if I sin, is God going to take his Holy Spirit from me? Now, think about this. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. It was a visitation. And then the Holy Spirit would remove himself. But in the New Testament, through our faith in Jesus, it's not a visitation. The Holy Spirit has taken up a habitation. He dwells within us. The Old Testament was visitation. The New Testament, it's habitation. And how does that happen? It happens through faith in Jesus. When we, you and I, put our faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in our lives, dwells within us. He who started a good work will be faithful to complete it in you. The Holy Spirit doesn't bail out when the going gets tough. He doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit stays and changes us from the inside out. Rather than having an external an external witness, now we have an internal witness. But this happens through faith. If you're in here today, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is on the outside knocking at the door wanting to get in. And you need to simply say, okay. That's, that's the gospel. Us simply saying, okay, come on in. I know what's awesome about the Holy Spirit. He's a great interior decorator. He is. He's very good. I remember 
I told you about before I got married and before I got saved, I lived with a bunch of guys and it was a total nasty bachelor pad. It was, I mean, we had, we had a, a poster of, you know, Salvador Dali, the, the great artist. And I remember like we had a cat and that cat like ripped half that poster down. So we just kept it up like half of a Salvador Dali poster. You know, every once in a while we had friends who were girls who felt bad for us. So they'd bring over like a plant or like a nice little framed picture. And I'd be like, well, that thing's going to die in here. And they're like, we'll come over and water it, you know? See, that's a perfect example of what God does in our hearts because we trash our hearts. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and does a work, changes our hearts. But you need to let them in. You need to say, okay, come on in. I give you this access to my life. I give you this access to my life. The Holy Spirit He's meant to indwell you, not to be working at you on the outside, but to be inside, flowing in and out of your life. In verse 12, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. David knows he can't do it by himself. The joy is in whose salvation? It's in God's salvation. David is upheld by whose spirit? God's generous spirit. And then verse 13. Remember I said, let inward renewal lead outward. Look at verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. David is not content to let God just clean up his own interiority. But David says, look, I'm going to let you clean me up and then I'm going to let other people know about it. This is important. And the reason this is important is because it's so easy to let God clean us up and not tell anybody anything. And we talk about the things that we enjoy. We want other people to be involved in the things that we enjoy. So, like, I'll give you a, a great example. So, there's a restaurant in East Vancouver called Killer Burger. Yeah. If you follow me on Facebook, I, I love taking pictures of food. I don't know why. It's kind of a habit that I have. But they have this thing called the Epic Burger. And it's like a bacon cheeseburger with pulled pork. If you're a vegetarian, we're praying for you. Don't worry about it. But, I mean, this thing is good. It's good. It's good. And so sure enough, when I, when I went to, you know, actually someone brought me to Killer Burger. I'm like, man, you got to try this, Pastor Dan. And I went there. And now every time someone says, hey, we're going to go eat them. Let's go to Killer Burger. That's cool. The, the owners of Killer Burger, they actually come here. So I want free burgers. No, just, <laughs> just kidding. I'm actually really not kidding, but that's the whole other story. But listen, when someone's like, man, I want to get a good burger. I'm like, let's go to Killer Burger. Let's get epic. It's so epic. Epic. Yeah. Why? Why, why am I like that? Because it's good and I want people to experience how good this thing is. And if God is working in your life, if the almighty one is at work within your heart, you should want people to taste that to understand what that is. That's how I know that God is at work in someone's life because all of a sudden all their friends are coming because they're like, man, you got to check this out. It's awesome. See, we don't just want God to fix us on the inside, but because God is fixing us, we want to see God fixing everything and everybody. And that is why when we are walking with the Lord, when we're living on a prayer in the midst of our mess, God is present with us. Then all of a sudden you see someone hurting and instead of being too busy, you stop because... You want God to fix that. And you're available now to God. And when someone's upset, you got a, a shoulder for them and a hug for them. You say, listen, I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know somebody who does. His name is Jesus. Can I pray for you? 
And I say, no, no. I'm going to say, well, listen, I don't want to make it uncomfortable, so I'll pray for you later. See, we don't just want God to work in us, but we want God to work in us, and then we want to see God work in other people too. We need to let that inward renewal lead outward. Outward. Now, look at verse 14. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise, for you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Brothers and sisters, we need to let brokenness lead to praise. We need to let brokenness lead to praise. You see all these, all this is about David's brokenness. He gets right down to it about how the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. As we realize our failings, our iniquities, our sin, as we realize that we've always been like this, and if we look at our lives, we have a huge testimony of all sorts of mistakes. As this reality of who we are sets in, that should break our hearts. It speaks about being sorrowful about who we are. But most of us let our brokenness lead to a pity party instead of letting our brokenness lead to praise because of God's salvation. That's a huge step. When we can say, God, my life is mangled, but you're good, and that you haven't given up on me, and that you love me, and that, God, I've made a great mess of a whole lot of things, and I am broken over my mistakes, but, God, you are not broken. You have my life in your hand. Your word says you'll wipe away every tear from my eye. We need to let brokenness lead to praise because God has saved God has saved. I think of Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the hearts of the contrite ones. You see that? God likes to dwell with those who are humble and contrite so that God can revive us. When we are broken, then God can build us back up again. It's interesting. He starts talking about you don't desire in sacrifices. You have to realize that sacrifices were the prescribed religion of that day. And it was very easy for the children of Israel and the Pharisees just to go and do the religious thing. But their hearts weren't humble before God. We have to be careful that it's very easy to be a good religious person. And we think that because we do these religious things, then we actually are walking with the Lord. We have to be careful because it's so easy to do all these things. Be like, I'm justified because I vote this way. And I'm justified because I give and I'm justified because I serve and this, that, and the other thing. But yet we're not humble at all. I, you know, I feel bad for my kids a little bit because it, the longer you're at this church, you know, my kids are growing up in front of all of you through my messages. You know, and just yesterday, my son Obadiah, he's cool, man. He's seven. You know, we went snowboarding on Friday. I've been snowboarding about 15 years and I feel it today. It's rough. But Obadiah, it's amazing. You know, he's seven. My daughter's four. And so they're playing video games on my wife's phone, right? And so, of course, Maranatha being four, she can make it 
Chop Chop Ninja about three seconds, and then she's dead. You know, she doesn't get the game. But then Obadiah gets Chop Chop Ninja, and before you know it, he's on there for 15 minutes. Right? And so, so sure enough, Maranatha's starting to get upset after about 15 minutes that Obadiah's still like, I got one more level to go, one more level to go, you know? And then I'm like, Obadiah, you need to give that up in about one minute because your sister played it for about 30 seconds. You've been playing for about 15 minutes. It's just not fair. And he's like, oh, one more level. You know, everything's one more level. You, those of you who play video games, you know how this goes. There's always one more level. So then sure enough, finally, I just take it from him. And Obadiah gets really upset, really upset. And I say, Obadiah, do you think that that's the way Jesus would act? You know what he says? I can't believe this. He's seven. He's like, actually, if Jesus' dad took away his video game, I think he would be very upset. I almost got in a car accident when he said that. It's like he's seven years old. He knows how to be a good, justifying religious person. Who taught him that? Because most of us take our religion. God hates the people that I hate. God hates, you know? And it's like, I'm just like, I even, I'm like, buddy, are you kidding me? You're, you're, you're telling me that you're acting like Jesus right now? Yeah, I really am. I am. Don't we all do that, though? It's so much easier to do, check your boxes and say that you're right with God than live in humility with God. It's so much easier. I mean, that's why we like religion so much, because it's easy to do. And you value yourself based on how you're better than somebody else and how you're doing better than those people over there. When Micah chapter 6, verse 8 tells us that God requires that we do justly, we love mercy, and what do we do? We walk humbly with our God. So, so David is saying, look, Lord, Lord, I'm broken, and I'm the king, and I'm the great psalmist, but I'm broken. I want you to take my brokenness and lead it to praise. If you're in here and you're broken by what you've been doing, by what's going on, don't let it lead you to a pity party. And then you invite everyone else to join you. Isn't that what, what pity does? Everyone just joins you there. Everyone blubbering in their, in their cereal. That gets passed along. It's like a cancer. Instead of letting your brokenness lead you to a pity party, let it lead you to praise because God is saved. God is saved. God is saved. And let us walk humbly with him. And then finally, verses 18 and 19. It says, do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem, that you may be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering, then they shall offer bulls on your altar. This whole psalm has been about repentance, turning. And so our final point is to let repentance lead to blessing. Let repentance lead to blessing. See, David, as he's realized his sin, as he's realized the reality of his life, as he realized his brokenness, as he realizes his need for inward renewal, he is turning from his own way and he's turning to God. And when we do that, when we turn from our own way to God, blessing happens. And notice, David isn't talking about his own blessing. He's talking about the blessing of his people. Look at what it says. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you this. And I want you to just track with me just a few more moments here. 
When you turn from your own way and you turn to God, God blesses the world through your life. You don't exist in a vacuum. You don't. Everything you do, every act of rebellion impacts everybody. Everybody. Everybody in the entire world gets the negative impact of the decisions that we make. But when people turn to God and say, Lord, I am yours, then God begins to repair the world. He begins to bring the world back to his original intention because we start acting completely differently than we did because we have a different set of motivation. Do you realize if you're in here today and and maybe your spouse is following Christ and you're not, do you realize that every single day your rebellion is brutalizing your spouse, your children, your neighbors, your coworkers, that you are doing everybody, including yourself, a disservice by not turning to the Lord? And if you're saying, that's not true, I want you to ask your spouse after service. But do it in the family room because that could get a little hot. See, God created this world good and he wants to recreate it in shalom, in peace. He wants to reweave the fabric of humanity. He wants to do it, but he does it by people turning to him And instead of being the way that we were, we start to act the way God would have us to act. We we are more generous because we care about people like we didn't before. We are patient with people who are making us crazy. Actually, we start to love people who hate us. And that starts to reweave the fabric of humanity in the way that God ordained it. See, God wants repentance to lead to blessing to turn from your sin instead of running away from God, to pray. Instead of letting the reality of who you are that God knows already, God wants to turn you and lead you to cleansing because God wants to clean you. God wants to begin that work of inward renewal that you can be an agent for his love in the world as you turn it outward. God wants to take your brokenness. He wants to take your brokenness and he wants to lead you to praise. He does. And God wants your repentance to be the blessing of the world. But you have, just as we said, you get to choose which path you take. You're either traveling towards the Lord or away. You're either letting the Holy Spirit come in and indwell you, or you're making the Holy Spirit try and work from the outside. And he's good at that. But why not just let him in? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. For some of you the first time. For others of us, Like King David, we've already done that, but yet like King David, we're straying really hard and we're covering things up just like David. And we need to let the way David has responded to his own rebellion, we need to model that by turning back to the Lord again by saying, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Change me. Recreate in me. Jesus is real. Every act of your rebellion impacts others. But as you turn back to God, your motivation changes. As Pastor Daniel explained today, every choice you make to follow God's will positively impacts the world around you instead of destroying it. 
We know that God doesn't need our money, but He uses our finances to help further His kingdom. We want to invite you to partner with us and help expand God's kingdom through Jesus is Real Radio. Your monthly or one-time gift will allow us to continue to grow our radio ministry in other parts of the world, sharing the life-changing experience of knowing that Jesus is real. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share how God comes looking for us, even when we're fleeing from Him, even when we're at our worst. He still wants us. We'll find out how to overcome our shame and to turn to Him. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series entitled The Top Ten. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio 